On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla hits a big supercharger milestone. Giga Shanghai continues to crush every goal thrown at them. A Model 3 joins the taxi fleet in New York City and more. What's happening, friends? Welcome to episode 276 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. This one for November 15th, 2020. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, and I'm actually not sure where Daisy the Boxer is. She must be upstairs, probably snuggling uh, as my daughter gets down to sleep. Anyway, uh, before I get the show started this week, one quick programming note. I wanted to apologize for the apparent little hiccup with last week's episode feeding specifically to the Apple Podcasts app. I didn't do anything differently on my side, but I started getting a couple of reports that it wasn't showing up there. Sure enough, checked it, wasn't sh- wasn't there. <laughs> just wasn't there on on Sunday. So uh, just seems to have been a weird problem on their end. I was able to go in and basically just refresh the feed. I don't know why I had to do that. I don't know why it didn't work in the first place. I promised the show was on time. It was there, but of course, of course, the one that everybody gets the show through like the data is overwhelmingly that that most people that use a podcast app use apple Podcasts. so of course that one had to have a problem but anyway hopefully i won't have any trouble with this episode Uh, also before i get started real quick just wanted to send along best wishes to uh both elon musk and everyone who works directly with him i've met a couple of the the people on his team that that work directly with him every day, because as of this recording here, very late, 10.30 p.m. on Friday night, he uh, might have COVID-19. It's been a subject, if you follow his Twitter feed, he's had a couple of positive tests, a couple of negative tests, so not quite sure where he stands, and I know, you know, he's got a team that works closely with him, so... Here is hoping that both he and everybody that does work directly with him are okay and will continue to be okay. Let's get rolling with the Tesla news for the week. First story is a nice, fun, wholesome one that just shows uh, part of the greatness that, that is the ownership experience of Tesla. We all love the superchargers. They're a big part of, of not just the physical... Uh, actual travel, the logistical travel that is possible with these cars, but they're a big, I feel they're a big part of the mental side of even going for a Tesla in the first place. You know, I think I talked about it, might've talked about it last week, uh, where it's just, you know, you need that, that mental hurdle to not be there about, you know, you need to know that you have good, easy, reliable, fast charging options along any route that you're going to take. And Tesla tweeting this week that they have surpassed 20,000 superchargers worldwide, which is just fantastic. Because um, again, when you think about it, as great as Tesla's cars are, I feel like they there's a good chance Tesla might not have reached the level of success that it has thus far without the supercharger network supporting that fleet. Because again, kind of building what I said off of what I said a minute ago. Electric cars are just still too new as a concept and as a thing and too alien to a lot of people. And that's not a bad thing. I'm not criticizing. I mean, the the fact is, it is a big change for most people. And range anxiety is a real thing, even as Tesla works to whittle that away by increasing the range of all the cars over time. I mean, the, the standard range, Model 3, standard range plus, Model 3 now that can be had for $38,000 before any incentives. It's a 262-mile car, so that's pretty impressive. They've made progress there. But nevertheless, you need that ubiquitous and easy-to-use charging network, again, to take away reasons for people to not buy your car. So thanks to the supercharging network, you pretty much can drive anywhere in the continental United States. I know that's not... Totally true, but generally speaking, you can go most places in the continental U.S., and the global network is growing too. 
Now, part of that supercharger's success story, to dig into this a little deeper, is how the navigation system in the cars seamlessly integrate the charging network as well from inside the car. I mean, if you've been following Tesla for long enough, you may remember that there was a time when not only did the superchargers not exist, but there was also a more recent time when they did, but the cars didn't automatically navigate you to the superchargers or tell you how much juice you'd have when you arrived or how long you needed to stay before you could move on to your next, the next leg of your trip or even however many stalls were available at a supercharger at a given time. You know, Tesla has really done tremendous work on, on the supercharger infrastructure, not just on the physical hardware side, but on the software side too, and no doubt that that's been at, at a substantial financial cost. I mean, we do hear about it in the quarterly reports of the, the money invested into service, but also the supercharging network. But it's clearly been a bet that has paid off for Tesla. And in fact, it's at the point now, again, I think generally speaking in the United States, where a, a lot of us probably take the supercharger network for granted. And again, I don't say that critically towards anyone, but just I say it as a as sort of a, a, a complimentary side effect toward Tesla is that they've done such a good job of expanding the network that we just don't really think much about it. I mean, some of you out there are no doubt early, early Model S owners from 2012, 2013, and you probably remember those early days when there just weren't superchargers. I mean, the, the first network was, you know, you had San Francisco to LA, and then I think, I believe New York to Boston was the first route on the eastern uh, side of the country, and then it just started to expand from there. So it's it's come a long way in a relatively short amount of time. Um, and, you know, you think that Tesla, when you think about Tesla, I should say, uh, as sort of, again, how critical the superchargers are to the Tesla brand and the Tesla experience, even if you don't know the Tesla brand that well, you probably know about the superchargers. I mean, they're just there. They just work. Are they perfect? No, they're certainly, they are not perfect. Are there enough of them? No, there is still work to be done there. But it is the reason that a lot of people can feel comfortable not just investing in an electric car, but investing in an electric car as their only vehicle, rather than also keeping a gasoline-powered car around for road trips or for, you know, again, a mental barrier of, oh, I can't just have this electric thing because what about the range? What about the charging? No, you can you can let internal combustion engine go now if you feel comfortable doing that in a lot of cases, in large part because of the supercharger network. So happy 20,000th supercharger to Tesla. Next this week, I know I seem to talk a lot about Giga Shanghai overperforming their goals, but hey, let's celebrate the awesomeness. I'm going to do some more of that right now. Per a new report from China, Giga Shanghai, aka the artist formerly known as Gigafactory 3, Giga Shanghai is set to have a very big year in 2021. I want to thank the Tesla Motors Reddit and the specific Tesla Motors Reddit user Superdigua, which I'm, I know I'm probably mispronouncing that, and if you're listening to this, I do apologize. But that user posted this translation from a Chinese media source, which writes, quote, In 2021, Tesla's Shanghai Gigafactory plans to produce about 550,000 vehicles, including 300,000 Model 3s and 250,000 Model Ys. Te uh, quote, Tesla has sent order requests to core component suppliers. In 2020, Tesla's Shanghai factory's planned capacity was 150,000 units. The reason being for the big jump next year is in addition to the second phase of the factory about to be completed, that's for the Model Y, the Chinese factory will also take on a greater task of going to the overseas market. The source told the media outlet 36 Krypton, quote, 
Out of 550,000 units, about 100,000 Model 3s are for export, and 10,000 Model Ys are also planned to be exported. Well, what's cool about this isn't just the production accomplishment in and of itself, which, again, certainly deserves to be celebrated, because that's, again, uh, a year ago, or I guess at this point, well, no, but yeah, I mean, a year ago it was unfinished, and two years ago it was a, a mud field, it was a dirt patch. So the, just the, the progress alone, yes, let's celebrate it. But here's my other point. Knowing Elon, this will probably create a good bit of friendly but fierce internal competition as both Giga Berlin and Giga Texas come online to see who can be the rock star production facility in the Tesla-verse, if you will. Granted, it may not be a totally fair fight, if you want to call it, I don't want to use fight's not the right word, because all those factories won't all be making the same vehicles. I mean, I suppose Giga Berlin will be the closest analog to Giga Shanghai, since both will be doing the 3 and the Y just in the opposite order. Shanghai started with the 3 and is adding the Y in just a couple of months, whereas Berlin is starting with the Y and will be adding the 3 later. And Texas, of course, yes, will be doing the Y, but also the Tesla Semi, which is its own beast, certainly, and the Cybertruck, the latter of which will, of course, be an entirely different manufacturing and assembly process, although I suppose I could say the very same thing about the Tesla Semi. It's going to be its own very unique process as well. And then, lest we not leave out HQ here in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California, where, yes, they've got the 3 and the Y, but they've also... Uh, are the they are also the only factory in the world building the Model S and the still very complex to build Model X as well. And they're also, of course, planning to carve out a corner of Fremont to build the Roadster in a, in a couple years from now. So not apples to apples all around, but I still I do imagine that Elon is going to play them off of each other in order to push the production goals higher and higher each year, and probably higher and higher each quarter. But in the meantime, the bottom line for this story is, again, more fantastic work and progress coming out of Giga Shanghai. You know, I something I just, I'm going to wonder aloud here, because I just don't, I don't know about the automotive market or the automotive world in China. It's it's just not a thing I'm currently very knowledgeable on outside of what Tesla's doing. But what I'm curious of is, and maybe maybe anybody out there that's more knowledgeable than I am can call in or email me about it. Does Tesla have the cool factor uh, attached to the brand in China the way that I think we'd all agree it very much does here? You know, here it's you know, kids know about Tesla, kids love Tesla, and it's a very aspirational car, and the more and more of the general public here in the, in the, in the West is, is very much aware of Tesla, and it, it has that cachet, that, that brand cool factor, but we know, you know, obviously Tesla has a growing presence in China, but I'm curious, because I just don't know, does Tesla have the same cool factor there? that they do here. Uh, anyway, on a, a final note to this, if Tesla actually does hit 550,000 units produced in Shanghai next year, I think that that should mean that Tesla has a really, really great shot to hit a million deliveries in 2021, given that Fremont's already doing 350 plus thousand itself, and that... Uh, both Berlin and Texas might chip in a little bit, get a low volume of deliveries done by the end of 2021 as well. So that million goal might be in sight even after that last earnings call not too long ago where uh, Elon commented that the, the, the uh, basically agreeing with that analyst that the production target for 
2021 is around, you know, 800 ish, 820, 850, uh, 850,000 or so. But yeah, it's uh, regardless of how it ends up shaking out, 2021 is going to be such a fun year, such a fun Tesla year. There are two product launches due to happen next year. In addition to two new factories opening, plus the expansion wing, the the phase two of Shanghai that's going to be producing the Model Y. So, uh, and this, I mean, to just again put that in a little bit of context before I move to the next story, we had one product launch this year, the Model Y, which came early, very much a, again, substantial achievement. But you go back to before that, again, just to put, put the idea of two product launches and two factory openings all in one year into some context and perspective. In 2018 and in 2019, there were zero product launches. I mean, yes, there were variants introduced, the Model 3 Performance in 2018 and and the dual motor. And in 2019, the Standard Range and Standard Range Plus. But uh, those are not you know, formal new vehicle programs. So it's going to be a big, big 2021 for Tesla. Now, speaking of Giga Shanghai, uh, who is already wearing a number of hats in addition to the, the aforementioned plans for 2021, Tesmanian reporting via Twitter user at Ray4Tesla, who I have sourced here before, and Ray seems to have his ear to the ground with all things Tesla over in China, Reporting that Shanghai, Tesla Shanghai, has begun producing right-hand drive Model 3s for the Hong Kong market. I imagine how that works is that they just do what Fremont does for the European spec Model 3s, as well as, uh, and you know, European left-hand drive, and, and, but I'm uh, not all of Europe, of course, you get the UK, so they do, they do right-hand cars over there. Over here, I guess it's, it's not there, it's here. Anyway, uh, but yes, Ray for Tesla and Tesmanian reporting that Hong Kong is going to begin production, and they, they have begun production of right-hand drive Model 3s for Hong Kong. But anyway, I suspect that Shanghai is just going to, they just will just pick a time to schedule a change in the assembly line and do batches of those right-hand drive cars. And in fact, on kind of continuing that thought, as Tesmanian wisely notes, taking just the geography into account of Giga Shanghai, it does stand to reason that, as Tesmanian notes, this could mean that soon export to Australia, New Zealand, Japan, Singapore, South Africa, Great Britain, and others can begin from Shanghai uh, rather than putting that burden on on uh, Fremont where the the demand is the production is limited the demand is is very much outweighing the production there so um, you know I have to say when I read that on Tasmanian after I was thinking right along with them myself I had to stop and think about the UK statement there for a second it's like wait a second would we really would would they really send the, the Shanghai cars, right-hand drive cars to the UK, but I suppose it is probably a shorter trip for Shanghai-built cars to go west to the UK than it is for California-built cars to go east to the UK. So uh, anyway, that is that more good stuff out of Giga Shanghai. Now, while we're talking about global Tesla news, here is a story that might sound boring on the surface, but I actually think it's very interesting underneath. And that being this, Giga Berlin has a new boss, and he is a veteran of the German car industry. And I apologize in advance if I uh, mispronounce this person's name, but this Reuters report says the head of the Berlin engine plant run by Mercedes-Benz has defected to rival Tesla, according to German union IG Metal calling on employees to protest over his departure. IG Metal declined to name the head of the plant, which has been run by Rene Reif, one of the most experienced manufacturing executives at Mercedes-Benz, who helped expand manufacturing capacity for Daimler in China. Reif used to be the head of engineering and manufacturing 
at Beijing Benz Automotive, Daimler's Chinese joint venture, which has a manufacturing capacity of around 480,000 cars and started building the electric Mercedes-Benz EQC last year. Tesla declined to comment on whether it had found a new manager for a gigafactory being built on the outskirts of Berlin, but the electric car maker is on a global manufacturing expansion push, building or expanding new factories in Texas, Germany, and China. Last month, a source told Reuters that a Tesla manager who oversaw the construction of the electric car maker's Grunheide plant had left his position. Daimler said on Wednesday that Reef 57, I guess it would be Reif, if it's the German German name, uh, the manager of its Berlin pl- uh, Mercedes-Benz plant, which makes powertrains, would go into early retirement at the end of the year at his own request. So uh, Mr. Reif is seemingly now employed at Giga Berlin. You know, this story, too, reminds me that way back in the early Tesla days, of the at the Fremont factory when Tesla was just occupying a little tiny corner of that place and and when I think I it's fair to say again with all due respect cuz I actually think I think Elon would probably even say this now back when Tesla knew nothing about manufacturing cuz they'd never manufactured anything the Roadster the original Roadster was manufactured by Lotus and those gliders were sent here to San Carlos or excuse me, Menlo Park. San Carlos was the original corporate headquarters. Sorry, I don't know why my brain went there. Menlo Park uh, to a little little building in the back, a little separate building uh, behind the showroom. I got to tour it once. It was really neat to see. It's just a little, it's no bigger than like maybe two two two-car garages put together. Not a big place. But they would take those gliders that were manufactured and assembled. Uh, they were manufactured by Lotus, and they'd be sent over to here to Menlo Park, and the uh, the battery electronics and the battery them batteries themselves, the battery pack would be installed into the cars, and they would be finished and delivered from there. But anyway, I'm getting off track as I sometimes do. I apologize. But yes, back when Tesla knew nothing about manufacturing. They had a gentleman by the name of Gilbert Passin heading up manufacturing in those early days. He helped them dearly to really get started up as a proper automotive manufacturing company. And Gilbert was a veteran of Toyota and Volvo at the time. And in fact, more recently, they had a gentleman by the name of Peter Hochholdinger, formerly from Audi. So Tesla has brought in some experienced people as they've grown and matured in their production ways and they are bringing in a seasoned pro from Mercedes to get things going in Berlin. And and to that end, this seems to be a great hire for Tesla and good for them. You know, quite frankly, uh, they, they can pull a lot of great manufacturing people for a few reasons. They're now in the position to do this. One, everybody in the industry can see the writing on the wall. The transportation is going electric. The old way is dying. Two, Tesla is an exciting, even if you set point number one aside, two, Tesla is an exciting, fast-growing company. And if you go there and you've got the opportunity to lead Giga Berlin, you have the chance to be part of something really special by joining Tesla and building cars there. And three, If you're a respected, seasoned head of manufacturing in the automotive industry, well, quite, you know, quite frankly, Tesla represents a new challenge for you. If you've been building internal combustion engine cars for your whole career, going to Tesla gives you a chance to challenge yourself in ways that you have maybe not been challenged before from a production standpoint, ways to think differently and and adapt and grow and, and evolve. So, that is a definite, those, those three things I think are, are very appealing to p- potential, you know, very seasoned candidates for positions like this. So best of luck to the Berlin team and their new challenge, which is, remember, that new challenge is building the Model Y in a uh, heretofore relative to the current generation of Tesla, a radical new way. The structural battery pack method with the 4680 cells that 
should be replacing the skateboard chassis that's in all of our cars now. And that new structural battery pack methodology is probably going to be the way that all Tesla vehicles are built for the next decade or more of the company's young and exciting and growing history. So all good stuff happening in Shanghai and in Berlin. Uh, Meanwhile, a good thing happening here for the existing fleet I mentioned a few minutes ago is talking about early Model S owners. You, all of you early adopters out there, well, Tesla is beefing up its warranty on a, uh, what's the best term? I don't want, suspect isn't the right word, but it's a, let, let's say a, a, a component that necessitates addressing. So the, it's, a, it's a memory component on older Model S and Model X vehicles. So it's the EMMC uh, memory chip here that's in your that's in your MCU. Tesla updating their warranty support page with this quote: "For customer peace of mind, we are providing additional coverage on some Model S and Model X vehicles built before March of 2018 that are equipped with an eight gigabyte embedded multimedia card. In other words, that's EMMC right there." In the media control unit, we are aware that this component may malfunction due to accumulated wear. If this occurs, it could result in a blank or intermittently blank center display or an uh, an alert indicating that a memory storage device has degraded and to contact service. This condition has no impact on basic vehicle driving functionality and controllability, and we are not aware of any injuries or collisions relating to it. If this condition occurs in affected vehicles within, here comes the warranty part, eight years starting from the date the vehicle was first put into service or delivered by Tesla to the first purchaser or lesser, and the vehicle has less than 100,000 total odometer miles, then Tesla will repair or replace the 8-gigabyte EMMC free of charge at any Tesla service center during the warranty adjustment program period, end quote. So Tesla does note this is not a recall. If, if you are listening out there and you are an owner of an affected Model S or a Model X, this is not a recall and Tesla noting, quote, this condition has no impact on basic vehicle driving functionality and controllability. And again, they, they reemphasize, we are not aware of any injuries or collisions relating to this condition for the 8 gigabyte EMMC. And interestingly, they're replacing the old one again as needed with a 64 gig chip. So going uh, up by a factor of eight there from eight gigs to 64 gigs. They note, again, I'll pass this along as well. This is not a thing that you should schedule a service center visit for. They'll swap it out only if you end up needing it. So I'm glad to see Tesla take care of these. Although, again, to be fair, some of the early Model S's, some like some of the you know the folks that I'm talking about on this episode, that might be most likely to be affected by this, like my cousin Pat in Arizona and his February 2013 build Model S, are already coming up on that eight years and or may already be over a hundred thousand miles. Still, though. Uh, For a lot of folks with 2015, 2016, 17, 18 models, this is good coverage. Good to see Tesla extending this out. And finally this week, the last story I wanted to do for you comes via Business Insider. uh, Also, uh, which I saw on Twitter via uh, the account Tesla New York. Shout out to them. I believe they listen to the show. The first Tesla taxi in New York City just hit the streets as the city's only electric yellow cab, and the plan is for hundreds more to join it. And again, Business Insider here writing, a Model 3 with medallion number 8P86, the only electric taxi cab in the city according to public records, just finished its first full weekend of service, completing more than 100 trips over the two-day period. The electric vehicle is owned by Drive Sally, which operates a fleet of more than a thousand cars that it leases out to cabbies and drivers for ride-hailing platforms in New York and Chicago. The EV is still in somewhat of a trial phase, and uh, and Adriel Gonzalez, Drive Sally's founder and chief operating officer, told Business Insider, Each time a driver comes back from their shift, 
Gonzalez interviews them to see what feedback, if any, they can give on piloting the city's first electric yellow cab. One of the first problems they encountered, and this will sound familiar to some of you, that passengers had trouble getting into the car using Tesla's unusual door handles, which sit flush to the side of the car. Uh, but Gonzalez says they'll add, address that by adding a push here message. I'm a little surprised that it's the outside that gave that kind of hung people up a little bit rather than the getting out once you're inside with the little the door release button, the, the otherwise unlabeled button. Uh, although I guess, again, that's been updated on newer cars. But, you know, I said this a year ago when the Model 3 was first approved for taxi use in New York. And I'll say it again. I think this is going to uh, get around very quickly to not only additional drivers working for Drive Sally, but other cab companies, other fleets. I mean, let's, again, change is weird, like I was talking about at the top of the show when I was making my probably drawn-out point about the supercharging network. Change is weird, but the fleet owners and taxi drivers alike, I'm very confident, as a Tesla owner myself, I am very confident that they're going to find that this change is not weird, but good, and that they're going to end up liking it better than what they had before. It's going to be a smoother ride. It's going to be less maintenance, no gas to pay for. And I will bet, I will even go so far as to say, as I believe I said a year ago when I first talked about this, I think passengers will even seek the Teslas out in a lot of cases, wherever they, I mean, if there's one in all of New York, it's going to be kind of tough to hunt that thing down. But as it grows, as it spreads, I think you will see ridership. I think you'll see people want the Teslas. Uh, now, of course, Tesla's uh, Tesla fans like us would certainly do that. I mean, if if you or I were in Manhattan and looking to get somewhere and, you know, you look around, you see a bunch of cabs and you see a Model 3 that's a cab, you're, I, I know I would walk over to that car for sure and see if see if they're for hire or not. I would definitely seek out the Model 3 if it came into my field of vision. But, um, and again, I think a lot of you would probably do the same. And I think a lot of people out there would, I mean, not just Tesla owners, but people who have heard of Tesla and are maybe excited about Tesla, but have never been in one, don't own one yet and want to, would want to see it and, and get a, get a chance to experience it a little bit. Anyway, though, again, look for these to multiply quickly in New York. That is my prediction. And the part two of my prediction, which again, I know it's not, I'm not exactly going out on a limb here, but I think word's going to get around and you're going to see them in other major cities in the not too distant future as well. All right, that will wrap it up for this week's Tesla news, but stick with me. Plenty of your awesome ride the lightning hotline calls coming up right after a word from my friends at Teslab. Before I move on with the podcast, a big thank you to Teslab for once again sponsoring Ride the Lightning. Now, to remind you what Teslab is all about, it's basically like a fitness tracker for your car, like a Tesla version of a Fitbit or an Apple Watch. Teslab is an incredibly useful app that complements your Tesla ownership experience by helping you see and understand exactly how your vehicle is performing well beyond what the car shows you. And I'm extra proud to have them sponsoring the show again because they have kicked off a fantastic new initiative that I am really, really excited about. There is a new feature in Teslab that calculates the CO2 emissions of your charging sessions. It actually reads from your local utility to determine where the energy is coming from and then calculates your carbon impact. But that's not the awesome part. The really great part of this is that Teslab is partnering with One Tree Planted to allow you to offset the carbon impact of your energy usage if you so choose. It works by choosing the level you want to offset and then submitting payment. You can do this on an ongoing basis or just as a one-time thing. Once your order goes through, they send the funds to One Tree Planted, which helps with reforestation and thus offsetting your carbon impact. So if you're like me and want to make sure you're living as sustainably as possible, check out teslab.app RTL to learn more. It's free to sign up and you can start planting trees as soon as your first charge. 
And remember that the Teslab app is free to use for life, but you can upgrade to a pro account for the price of a coffee and get way more out of it. Check it out. That's teslab.app slash RTL, T-E-Z-L-A-B dot A-P-P slash R-T-L. All right, a welcome to Daisy the Boxer, who has decided to join me for the second half of the podcast. Welcome to the Ride the Lightning Hotline, your time for your questions, comments, and discussion topics. I love to hear from you, so give me a call anytime. If you've got a Tesla thought, question, etc. on the mind, give me a ring. You can do so in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less, and email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com, or you can take that same 90-second or less question and call in on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's toll-free. It's easy. Just call 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And hey, if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted like I do or put them onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let's kick it off with Ben in Washington. Go ahead, Ben. Hey, Ryan. This is Ben, a longtime listener. I'm located in Vashon Island, Washington, and my question is about the full self-driving package. I'm in the market for a standard range plus Model 3, and I cannot bring myself to pay $10,000 for that package. I don't want the car to drive itself on the city streets. That doesn't matter to me. All I care about is highway driving, auto lane change, summon forward and backwards, and that's it. I don't need anything else. Do you think Tesla will ever release another enhanced autopilot, just a middle ground, so you don't have to pay $10,000 or nothing? Um, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for the podcast. Uh, Keep it going. Ben, great question here because, and uh, pardon me if I already mentioned this, because I can't remember if it was on the Patreon Google Hangout with a bunch of people or if I said this on the regular podcast. But yes, there is a chance that Enhanced Autopilot will come back around again. Probably not permanently, mind you, but at the very end of Q3, just at the end of September, I'm talking the last few days of it, Tesla did reinstate Enhanced Autopilot, presumably in order to try and generate some additional end-of-quarter revenue to try and, again, just pad those quarterly numbers a little bit more, make them a little bit better. Now, the way my podcast schedule fell was such that this EAP return came and went, just came and disappeared before I could even mention it. It was over. It had started and stopped between shows. So that's why I never even mentioned it here on the podcast. But my advice to you is to keep checking the upgrades section of your Tesla app, particularly at the end of each quarter, once you have your car, to see if Tesla tries that again. To be clear, they might not. I am not saying at all that they will. I I really have no idea, but they have shown that they are willing to do that. It's possible, though, that this was a one-off and that Enhanced Autopilot is gone forever. But even if it is, the good news is that when you do get your Model 3, the basic autopilot that's included will at least get you highway autopilot functionality. It's not going to give you that auto lane change you're looking for, no smart summon, but you do at least get the bare bones functionality with the car. Thanks for calling in, Ben. Let's go to Luke in Colorado up next. Welcome, Luke. Hi, Ryan. This is Luke from Colorado calling again. I wanted to let you know uh, about my Tesla buying decision I'm thinking of making. I've noticed that looking at the spec sheets between the Model Y, Model 3, and especially the Cybertruck, the Cybertruck actually looks to be the best value of the mid-range Tesla offerings. Because things you're getting on the Model S, such as like the air suspension, the HEPA filtration system has been rumored to also be added to the Cybertruck. Not to mention the car is bulletproof and there's no buyer's remorse from paint, dings from the factory, poor panel gaps, and just, you know, the utility of a truck. It might be the best value of the, you know, the S3 and Y 
models in particular. I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Thank you. Have a great day. Luke, great to hear from you. Each of those three different Teslas you mentioned obviously do different things and will have different values to people based on what makes the most sense for their situation. But on paper, yeah, I think it's fair to say that the Cybertruck is probably going to be the best bang for your buck in the Tesla lineup for the cost, utility, and range combination of those three things. That said, the Cybertruck will just be way too big for some people. Parking a full-size truck in a regular parking lot can be tricky, particularly depending on where you live. I mean, some places it's not. Some places it's totally all accommodated for. There's plenty of space, big, you know, not a problem. But generally speaking, I think it's, you know, it can be a, a bit uh, much for a lot of people as far as just the sheer physical size of a full-size truck. And then there's also the matter of getting one. Pretty much everybody listening to this is a minimum of one year from getting it. But realistically, most of you out there with Cybertruck reservations probably won't see your Cybertruck for at least a year and a half or so because production is going to start slow and it's going to have to ramp up. Whereas the Model 3 and the Model Y, you can get those right now. But generally speaking, yeah, I would not disagree with you that the Cybertruck offers a ton of bang for your buck. I wish you good luck in your decision. And the good news, as I always say, whenever people ask me for advice on which which Tesla they should buy, this is how I always end it, because I really mean it. It's You can't make a wrong decision. You're almost certainly going to be happy no matter which one you pick, because Tesla has made an absolutely phenomenal fleet of vehicles. Matthew from Brooklyn is next, also wants to talk Cybertruck. Go ahead, Matthew. Hi, Ryan. It's Matthew from Brooklyn. Um, I realize it's a long way off, but I think there hasn't been enough emphasis on what I believe is Elon's long-term life goal of habitating Mars and the synergy of his various business interests in achieving this goal. Of course, the SpaceX and the imminent testing of Starship serial number eight. But what is interesting, what's interesting is that the cargo capacity of Starship is enough to transport an entire boring machine, which could be used for making transportation tunnels under the Mars surface, which are protected from radiation. Also, we have the Starlink tech to establish communications, solar and power pack tech to power fuel plants, habitats and transportation sustainably. And then finally, Tesla. When the Cybertruck was revealed last year, I was kind of taken aback initially because it didn't look like anything else in the Tesla lineup. But now I'm thinking perhaps Mars was always a consideration during its development. Features like the full self-driving, advanced climate controls, simplified origami construction process make me wonder. Do you think Cybertruck could be adapted for the, mu- for the Martian environment? And do you think we will see Cybertrucks driving around the Martian surface, supporting the first construction teams? Interesting thought, Matthew. Uh, I am not smart enough to know the answer to that. I'm sure it would require modifications, maybe with tires, maybe with thermal control in the cabin and or like pressurization of the cabin, depending how they're u- how and where they're using it on Mars. Maybe other things, too. That being said, if any vehicle in the world will be up for that task, it's going to be the Cybertruck for sure. And if that does happen... Boy, would it be a heck of a selling point for the people back here on Earth, wouldn't it? The, <clears throat> on, let me get my let me get my uh, announcer voice. The Tesla Cybertruck, tough enough for Mars, built for you on Earth. Get yours at Tesla.com. <laughs> Sorry, that was sort of a there was like a little hint of Casey Kasem in that for some reason. I don't know why. Get yours at Tesla.com. Now, that was more of an Ed McMahon. I'm losing it. It's really late. Uh, I made the mistake of watching The Mandalorian with my family before the podcast. And so it's now, uh, yeah, it's getting towards midnight as I work through this podcast. And I'm just getting loopy at this point. Anyway, uh, the ad writes itself, though, doesn't it? When you want to sell Cybertrucks on Earth and they're in use on Mars, it's going to be good stuff. Eric from Maryland is up next. Welcome to the show, Eric. Hi, Ryan. This is Eric from Maryland. With full self-driving rewritten to use video instead of pictures to navigate, do you believe Tesla will update the fleet to use video to navigate with autopilot, even if you don't have full self-driving? Or will they only use video for full self-driving and leave the existing autopilot software as is? 
Also, a few months ago, you mentioned how this podcast will stay focused on Tesla vehicles. I'd love to see you covering Tesla Solar more, especially given how it's expected to grow in the coming years. So we'll finally begin to see how the cars and solar complement one another. Perhaps you could interview someone from the Tesla Solar team. As always, thanks for the great show. Eric, thank you for calling in. Uh, the video learning is going to be for the entire system, to the, to the best of my understanding. Tesla isn't going to use pictures in some instances and video in others. They've, to the, again, to the best of my knowledge, rewritten the entire system to learn in a new video-based way. That sort of, quote-unquote, 4D that Elon has talked about. So it should mean continuous improvements for both regular highway autopilot and city streets full self-driving. And with regard to solar, I certainly appreciate the enthusiasm. And as I've said before, I, my wife and I both are very much wanting to go solar when the time and the money is right for us. But as a person doing a podcast about cars, it's just it's the vehicles that interest me most. I mean, I'll definitely mention it whenever it intersects with the car side of the business, uh, such as like the planned solar vault cover for the Cybertruck. And in fact, I did do that mega pack. Uh, Australia story last week. So that's at least something, right? <laughs> Thanks, Eric. Let's keep it rolling here with Mike from Ottawa. Uh, it's Mike from Ottawa here. And I just want to reply to one of the calls from last week from Keith. He was talking about being able to heat the car up in the afternoon before going home. And uh, this is something you can actually do with an app on a iOS device called Stats. Um, with a combination of shortcuts in iOS as well. So you actually have the ability to uh, set up as many shortcuts as you want throughout the day to automatically start your car or, again, uh, turn on the heat, I should say, for your car. So uh, maybe uh, they can look into that. So, again, this is an application called Stats with a combination of shortcuts on iOS, and um, they should be able to have their car nice and heated up every day during the week and um, ignore it during the weekend. So, yeah. All right. Talk to you later. Mike, thank you. That is a very helpful suggestion. There are definitely a bunch of great third-party apps out there. I mean, you just heard my Teslab promo a few minutes ago. Uh, but I confess there are so many interesting ones that I haven't used all of them. I've used Teslab, I've used some of these other ones, but haven't used Stats. But I'm glad to hear that Stats can do what Keith is looking for it to do. I imagine that functionality might be useful to plenty of other folks out there too, which is why I wanted to play your call. So thanks, Mike. Let me go down now to Phil in Dallas, who also wanted to chime in on, this is a caller from a few shows ago, who was looking for some sort of experience and, and wisdom about buying a Tesla in a state that does not allow Tesla to sell directly. So here's Phil to speak to that. Hi, Ryan. This is Phil from Dallas. I wanted to follow up on the direct sales uh, in a state that does not permit direct sales. Uh, I have purchased two Model 3s in Dallas, uh, and I have had different experiences. My first was in 2018, which was very similar to um, you know, what you might expect in a, in a normal sales. The only difference was that the car does need to be fully funded or paid for prior to them delivering. So meaning you have to have fully paid uh, 10 to 14 days prior to actually receiving the car. Um, the other piece that's a little bit different and was a different experience for me, when I purchased my car this calendar year, this past January, um, Tesla did not charge me sales tax. So I actually had to go to my local uh, tax assessor's office in my county and pay the sales tax for the car after taking delivery, which was a little bit of a different experience. So anyways, wanted to call out those differences. Thank you. Uh, appreciate what you do. Bye. That is also really good information for someone to have who is buying in a state where Tesla is not authorized to sell directly to you. You know, I had heard about the Texas thing before about having to prepay the car in full via you know your loan or what have you. But the sales tax thing is new information to me. So thank you very much for that, Phil. And, and prospective buyers in states that are set up the same way, also thank you, Phil, for that uh, wisdom sharing there. Ken is next. Go ahead, Ken. 
Ryan, it's Ken. I believe Tesla's change in return policy could be a good thing. If they replace a no-questions-asked policy with a process that really analyzes the reasons customers aren't satisfied, this would enable them to improve the product and the customer experience, which would result in more satisfied customers in the future, and also fewer people wanting to return their cars, while still empowering employees to issue refunds when that's the right thing to do. Ken, I could not agree more. Thank you very much for your call. And I hope that's exactly what Tesla meant by their vague wording about that when I read you that internal communication uh, was at two or three shows ago. Again, for me, they've earned the benefit of the doubt. And I do stress earned the benefit of the doubt because in my opinion, they typically do the right thing or at least try to do the right thing. So hopefully... That's exactly what is going to happen here. Cheers, Ken. Let's do three more calls, starting with Tyler in Long Island. Hey, Ryan. How you doing? This is Tyler in Long Island, New York. I have a quick question regarding my FSD or maybe even a suggestion. For example, when I'm driving down the freeway at 70 miles per hour and I come across a car going slightly slower, it automatically changes lanes to overtake the car, which is great but I would almost rather have a range of speed that then that my car will not overtake until it drops below a certain amount. For example, when I'm driving 70 miles per hour and there's a car in front of me going 68, I don't necessarily need to overtake that car. I'm okay with going a certain mile below, but say I set the range to 65 and it would not overtake the car until it drops below 65. On the flip side, when I do change lanes, I turned off the feature to exit the passing lane because I felt it became too much of going back and forth between lanes. I'm okay with driving in the faster lane. However, I would like for the car to acknowledge that cars are coming up behind me quicker, and then I can move over as they approach me. Again, it's something that's nice to, to have when I acknowledge that I change lanes, but I'd rather the car move to the slower lane when... Uh, there are cars coming up behind me. Anyways, hopefully, maybe this is a feature that I just don't know about, but if not, I just wonder what other people think. All right, bye. I am totally on board with everything you said, Tyler. I particularly think the idea you mentioned at the beginning of your call, being able to set a range of speed for autopilot to work within when it's navigating other traffic, is a terrific suggestion. I really hope Tesla hears that and takes it into consideration if they don't already have it on their whiteboard. Thank you so much. Let me go now up to uh, Victoria, British Columbia for our next call. Hey, Ryan. Uh, Arden from Victoria, B.C. here. Uh, First time caller. Uh, So I just noticed I'm sitting in my uh, Model 3 and uh, I got the tunes really low, like, you know, down low, and uh, I crank up my fan to turn the heat up, and I actually noticed that the volume on the music will actually turn up just a tad, um, you know, to compensate for the fan blowing. And I try to turn it back down, it lowers back down just a tad, but it does uh, fluctuate there a bit when you crank up the fan or turn it down. Um don't know if that's useful for anybody, but just thought I'd let everybody know, and uh, thanks a lot. Keep up the good work. I'm not sure I'd notice this, Arden, but you're right. My last car had something like that, but I, I don't think it was tied to the HVAC system. I think in that car, it was tied to speed. It would get a touch louder at higher freeway speeds, sort of to account for road noise, but... Anyway, uh, this is definitely a nice touch on the Tesla team's part. Thank you for calling in and sharing that. And our last caller this week, last and certainly not least, is Wes from South Carolina. Hi, Ryan. Wes from South Carolina here. I'd like to suggest a feature to Tesla if anyone there is listening to your podcast. We have the option for the car to always fold the mirrors at a given location. It would be really nice if that also included turning off the windshield wipers. When you go to a car wash, it is really unnerving to suddenly realize you forgot to turn off the wipers. Hope someone in Tesla is listening. Thanks and take care. I like that one, Wes. You know, they're using the neural net to train the auto wipers anyway, so why not? Car washes would definitely be an excellent use case for that. 
I am happy to pipe you through <laughs> however loud of a megaphone this podcast is in order to help get the word out to Tesla. Thanks very much for calling in. Thanks to everybody who called in. I appreciate you keeping those phone calls coming. Great part of the show here. Always glad to have other voices because it's uh, it's just so much fun for me to hear from you guys. So you heard the call-in directions at the top if you do feel so inclined to give me a ring. So keep those calls coming, and we'll do this segment again, of course, next week as we do just about every week. Stick with me for now, though. I'll be right back with your pro tip of the week and some more right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. I'll give you a video game recommendation here, as I often do at this point in the show. Thank you again to Stefan from Monterey for suggesting this earlier in the quarantine. And today I want to recommend Spider-Man Miles Morales for PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4. It's out for as well if you don't have the PS5 yet. Same game. Uh, It's on both, and I am just a eh, couple hours into it, but boy, I'm really liking it so far. I I very much enjoyed the Spider-Man game from 2018, which this is a, I guess it's, it's a, I mean, it's, it's a sequel kind of slash expansion. It's, I guess it's not a proper Spider-Man 2 maybe, but it basically is. It's, uh, picks up where the first one left off. It is fantastic. It's just so fun to swing around New York as Spider-Man, and the story's really good, and the character works great. So, yeah, Spider-Man Miles Morales, PS4, PS5, pick it up if that sounds like a fun time. Pro tip of the week time, Jonathan from Winter Garden, Florida, has our pro tip this week. Go ahead, Jonathan. Ryan, this is Jonathan from Winter Garden, Florida. I got a pro tip of the week for you. Just found this out today. Um, In the Model 3 UI, when you press and hold the navigate um, arrow and and you scroll down, it'll automatically navigate to home. I don't think you've had this pro tip. Great show. Keep it up. Take care. Jonathan, thank you very much for sending this in. Again, this is one I I know I've mentioned, but I think this was one of the first ones I did when I first started doing the pro tip segment, which it's got to be a couple years now that I've had this uh, pro tip part of the show. So again, a lot of uh, newer listeners, I should say, might not have heard it, and I'm really happy to play it because, speaking for myself, I use that shortcut constantly like basically every time i have the car out because wherever i go and then i get back in the car i do that just swipe down from the from that navigation uh bar in that upper left corner of the nav to to navigate you know to route me home so i can use autopilot on the way home and or get directions so i use that one all the time happy to put that out there in case it is new to any of the newer listeners slash newer Tesla owners. So thanks, Jonathan. If you've got a pro tip of the week that you'd like to share with your fellow Tesla owners and enthusiasts, I would love to hear it. Send it in the same way that you send in your regular Ride the Lightning calls, which I gave the instructions for that earlier in the podcast. And with that, it is just about time to hit the road. Uh, I am loopy and tired, as you've probably already figured out here as uh, the clock approaches midnight. But first, I want to mention abstractocean.com. They've got a coupon code for you, RTL Podcast, which gets you 15% off of your first order. That's all one word, no space in it, RTL Podcast. And again, Abstract Ocean's got all kinds of great accessories for mostly your car, but some stuff for you too. But for your car, the rear footwell lighting kit, which looks fantastic, the drop-in cup holder stabilizer, if you are sick of your your uh, bottles and cups wobbling around in the in the you know unisize Tesla cup holder. There's tempered glass screen protectors, the center console wraps as well, which I highly recommend to get rid of the uh, dust and fingerprint and scratch magnet that is the default glossy center console, which has finally been replaced by Tesla. But for the rest of you out there, all of us that have the the old console. Uh, those wraps from abstractocean.com can be super useful. 
Meanwhile, snap plate. Yes, for the, the front license plate bracket that snaps on and off in seconds securely, safely, doesn't harm your paint, your grill, your radiator, doesn't interfere with autopilot. It is the front license plate for people like me that hate front license plates. You can take it off for car shows, put it on at parking meters to avoid tickets, uh, take it off to clean the car, put it on for toll roads and bridges, etc., etc. Get yours at this URL, livingtesla.com slash RTL. Again, that's livingtesla.com slash RTL. And then there is puretesla.com slash RTL, your one-stop shop for all your dash cam and sentry needs. Get your 128 gigabyte kit like I've got or step up to the 256 gigabyte kit for a little bit more money. They are both plug and play straight out of the package, formatted and ready to go. Just put them right into your car. Free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Uh, otherwise, there is a you know modest shipping fee to ship globally. That's no problem. PureTesla.com slash RTL. Jada, meanwhile, keeping the good times rolling, the Jada wireless charging pad for the Model 3 and then the USB hub for the 3 and the Y. The coupon code Ride the Lightning on that one, all one word, no spaces, to get it, to get your charging pad. I, again, no joke, of all the accessories that I've looked at, put in my car, the, the wireless charging pad is, I think, the best and most useful uh, in the long term. So that's the one I recommend the most. Of course, again, the newer, the Ys come with it now and the newer threes with that new console. But for the rest of us, the existing fleet, Jada's got you covered. The website to go to, please use my referral URL here because they give me a, a couple bucks from each sale in all transparency. So if you do want to purchase one of those, either the wireless charging pad and or the USB hub, please go to getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. Jada spelled J-E-D-A in that URL. And again, don't forget that Ride the Lightning coupon code. Finally, there is Immaculate Reflections. Fantastic detailing, uh, whether you are looking for paint correction, paint protection film on some or all of the car, ceramic coating so that you don't have to wax it for the next three to five years, and water will just bead off the car. Take it from me on that one. It just rained today. We got our first proper rain. Summer's officially, officially, officially over. I mean, it certainly already was temperature-wise, but the rain has begun here in the Bay Area, which, quite frankly, we need. And yes, the the uh, the car took a took a good bit of rain at when I was out for uh, taking my daughter to the orthodontist today. Anyway, whatever detailing service you are looking to do. If you are in the Bay Area or going to be in the Bay Area, I could not recommend Immaculate Reflections more, and I sincerely mean that. I've made, I've known Jeff now for, I guess, about three years, because we met and talked well before I got my car. Just a, an incredibly talented detailer, but an even better human being, and he is offering discounts to listeners of this show, so... Drop him a line through his website, which is irdetailing.com. Mention this show to get your discount on whatever service, whatever uh, whatever thing you decide to have done. I think that's everybody. I think that's it. Except for, uh, I'll mention the Patreon real quick, of course. A lot of time, energy, love, and enthusiasm and research goes into this podcast each week. Supporting it will always be voluntary, but... If you are able, uh, if you if you see see to it uh, in your heart, which I would sincerely appreciate, supporting this show really does make a a wonderful difference in the life of me and my family. So, uh, if that's a way you can say thank you, I'd sincerely appreciate it. If not, hey, just keep listening, and I'll be here for you every Sunday. But if you do want to support the podcast on Patreon, you can do so on the Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash tesla podcast patreon spelled p-a-t-r-e-o-n and uh, again i i've uh, want to keep mentioning this because it's seems to be picking up steam people like this option if you don't want to do the monthly support option there is a uh, there's an option to just pay for a year of support all at once and in in exchange for that you will get a five percent discount on 
that uh, year commitment. So again, all that's on the Patreon page. Check it out. And I am grateful if you choose to do, choose to take a look at that. All right. I think that's it. Just want to say hi to the plaid and maximum plaid level supporters. Starting with the maximum plaid crew of Pete White, Danny Nelson, Jonathan Wales, Fernando Cordero, Sean Neidig, Cameron Clark, and Daniel Grummer. Thanks to all of you. And then the plaid level crew. Much love to all of you. George Cassiopo, David Brander, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondal, Jerry and Mary Smith, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Will Stedman, Evie Tricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, Richard Folkers, Trenton from Myrtle Beach, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Mark Eversoll, Ish, Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, Steve Radspinner, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Seth Capello, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, my friend on Twitter, at Rodam, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Eric St. Pierre, and Steve Drumheller. Thank you all so very much for your generous and continued Patreon support. Well, that will about wrap it up. For a snoozin' Daisy the Boxer, I'm an about-to-be-snoozin' Ryan McCaffrey. This was Ride the Lightning, episode 276. Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I will see you back next week, same time. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.